Welcome to the Cards and Caffeine Podcast. I'm Ken. I'm Brandon. And this is episode number 13. Big one, three. Yeah, lucky number 13. Yes, sir. Um, we're doing a little episode here with uh, Josh Martin from JDM Legends. Hello. Hey, Hello, how's sir. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to uh, come on the show and talk with us a little bit. Of course. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we uh, we actually talked about your, your new show with a few of our guests recently, got them into it, and uh, we're super pumped that you're able to call in, man. I really appreciate that. Of course, no, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So, so uh, I guess let's just start at the beginning. How how'd you get into the the import car scene? So, really, um, when I was a little kid, probably like twelve, thirteen, I used to watch auction pages, and I'd always be really interested in those kinds of cars, just because we never had them for the most part, or they got you know a lot better versions than we had. Yeah. So I always like to research that kind of stuff. <clears throat> And then my high school had a, kind of like an automotive youth program, like if you wanted to go work in a dealership or stuff like that, like you had to qualify. Yeah. But I got a parental permission to work for Honda when oh. I was 14. Nice. So I worked under a master technician for a while and then uh, ended up going on my own. And I've kind of been in the industry ever since. So a few years ago, uh, I met up with Harriet because I was actually trying to buy some wheels. Mm-hmm. And he was in the process of taking over ownership of the company from uh, Trey Cobb, who started Cobb Tuning. And oh, no he way. needed okay. an employee, <laughs> and we just started talking for a while, and I helped him. Sorry about that. <laughs> so okay, you guys... I helped him uh, figure out the shop truck, because he was working on an engine swap at the end of the time. And there was some wiring and stuff like that, and he had a Toyota Crown that also needed some parts that I actually had. Oh, no kidding. And so we ended up kind of working and talking that way, and you know, four and a half, almost five years later, here we are. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So in the middle of Salt Lake, to, like, how hard is it to get a car shipped inland like that? Is, is that a random question? <laughs> oh, no, it's not hard at all. Um, it has to be 25 years old or older. Yeah. And you have to have someone on the other side who's willing to get you the, the correct documentation. You know, there's quite a few forms. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah, thankfully, is pretty flexible with that unlike California and other states where they have uh, kind of weird import laws and, you know, emission stuff and things like that that they won't really let you do. Yeah. That's, uh, so when you started working there, were you more on the mechanical end or were you hands-on with with picking cars that were coming over? I'm sorry, what was that? When you started working there, were you just more of on the mechanical side of it or were you, like, hands-on with picking the, the vehicles you guys had shipped over? Um, kind of both, really. What The problem with anything when you buy overseas, as you can probably understand, is you only really get photos. Yeah. And the hardest part with the old 70s cars is, you know, the chassis condition. So you kind of have to go through all of that, know what you're supposed to look for as far as, like, spot welds, seams, uh, you know, reading the inspection sheet, things like that to make sure that the chassis itself is good. Yeah. Because really everything else can be replaced, and it doesn't really matter at that point. But you just don't want to be upside down and like metal repair you don't want a car you know that's just completely filled with fiberglass essentially like they yeah. usually are so when when you guys get these cars over here do you ever have to do any kind of crazy media blast or rebody work any of them or, or it's all made sure it's taken care of before it shows up uh, we definitely do have to do a lot of stuff here but it's just we don't want to get too heavy into it so yeah. like you know most of all these cars 
have been restored at some point, probably in the 80s or 90s. And how they do it over there is they kind of just, you know, they'll cut a part out and they'll take like either a thin, I've seen actual beer cans be used. (laughs) Uh, Just really kind of thin, random, like pieces of metal they can find and just kind of fill it in and then kind of mud and pave over with like fiberglass or filler. So that's kind of like, like in a skyline, um, it's pretty common in like the doors and just kind of areas like that to just have little random patches just where water sits and it just kind of ate the metal away because it's really humid there. Yeah. So that's very common kind of the, repair, the just part. random tin can, whatever they got laying around. Oh, yeah, totally. And uh, a lot of the places and shops over there don't have any paint booths. So they'll either kind of make like a clean area in a shed or just sometimes cars are even sprayed outside and you'll see like dirt. <laughs> you know, lots of imperfections in the paint and just kind of weird stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but you just want to make sure that, you know, it's fixable. Definitely. Because there's a lot of stuff, you know, parts of the car where you, know, you can't buy sheet metal for and you'd have to make like a buck and you'd have to actually make like an entire new panel and just kind of go down to where it's spot welded and brazed like when they built the car initially mm-hmm. and just kind of replace an entire panel and inside. And the Japanese metal is a little bit tougher to work with, right? Because it's a lot thinner and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, totally. And the the weird thing is, so, like, in the mid to late 60s, <clears throat> with, you know, Nissan and Datsun, like, the 411s and cars like that, those actually had uh, pretty close to American thickness sheet metal, and a lot of those cars used standard hardware. Hmm. And in 68, when they went to the unibody cars, everything changed from that point on. So it's kind of like still kind of a mystery box i mean you know you can definitely overpay for a car and a lot of people are you know they're like oh yeah you know i want to get just like a shell or like a rusty shell like the problem with that is you know if you get a cheap car it's even worse and you have to replace everything and you're going to be probably two to three times more into the restoration than you would normally be jesus instead of just buying a cleaner car in the first place yeah that makes sense really but also if you have a non-running car when you export it it's uh, a lot harder to make legal to drive on the road Hmm. versus just like parts you don't get the same export documents unfortunately it's crazy yeah we uh go ahead (laughs) ahead. i was just gonna say like your first jdm car what did what was your first jdm car like um what got you really into the JDM cars? What got me into the JDM car? Yeah, like, what did you have a first car that got you really loving the JDM cars? Um, like, as growing up and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of nice to just, I always like to be unique. And a lot of those cars, you know, they have a lot of different things about them that we never had or just an entire model that we never had. Mm-hmm. And not many people know about them. And especially like the skylines, you know, like there's there's a, a thousand ways you could build one of those, but you know, very few people know like the details and like differences between models. Like especially, you know, if you get to like a GTR, for example, like those cars, um, definitely, uh, there's there's many 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 detail aspects of them. If you restore one, that only a few people would know if they were new. Really? And you have to, like, kind of get that information from them and kind of, like, clarify yeah. what's true, what's not true. You know, how is this really supposed to be? Like, even decal placement, like, stuff like that. It's kind of like the concourse side of it. But the mm-hmm. the fun part is, like, say, if you're doing a GT or GTX and you want to modify it, the sky is really the limit there. So it doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah. So those, those kind of builds are a little bit more fun, I would say. 
even though it is nice to make, you know, <clears throat> kind of a museum quality car, I guess. Yeah, you guys do some um, amazing stuff out the there. fun fact, I guess, uh, a lot of people don't know, is that Nissan, they have their Zama Museum overseas, and they're also uh, their normal, like, heritage museum. And a lot of their cars are not restored by, like, a dedicated team. They outsource everything to, uh, like, volunteers and students. Hmm. Where, like, Toyota, for example, has a dedicated restoration team, and, like, so does Mazda and other companies like that. <clears throat> so you're always kind of in mixed stories as to what things really should be and what shouldn't be, and it's kind of like a mystery, Yeah, <laughs> I guess. That's, uh, I guess I would say, like, until I watched the episode, the most recent one you guys just did on the GTR. Or, I'm sorry, it, was a, it wasn't a GTR, right? It was actually a GT... Was it the Red Hood car that you watched? Um, it was it was the well I watched both oh, of them. It was the second episode yeah. that just came out. It was a GTX, okay. right? A GTX, right? With a okay, GTR yeah, conversion. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that the nose length was actually different between the different models. Yeah, the four cylinder and the six cylinder. Yeah. At first, I had no idea until I watched the episode the other day. To be honest with you. So yeah, um, a lot of those cars, believe it or not, started out as like a four cylinder kind of touring car. Mm-hmm. So they had uh, in 69 through 72, they had a 1500 and an 1800 GL, which those cars had the shorter nose. And they also had a, they called it a G series engine. So it was a G15, a G18. Mm-hmm. And those are actually cross flow head where we got the L series, which was not. And same with the R and everything else. But those cars um, are actually really, really different. So like, the interior is different, the dash is different, like all the seats, panels, wow. even taillights and everything about them are different. And those cars were just kind of thrown to the side because they weren't the like the standard six-cylinder model that everybody wanted. Yep. So you can still find them, and they are a lot cheaper, but they're not a lot of parts for them, not a lot of stuff for the G-Series. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of now stuck with whatever people wanted to preserve, I guess, over time. They just kind of let everything dissolve and... Yeah. get crushed and faded away which is sad yeah i don't i honestly don't think i've ever seen a gtr in upstate new york not that generation at least no the older ones i have never definitely seen one it's a shame okay. <laughs> yeah. we need we need you guys out here more man. <laughs> <laughs> what part of new york are you from uh right up near albany near the capital i'm sorry what up up near albany okay yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good scene up here, but not a whole lot of imported cars, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, is it kind of tight law up there? Is it what? I'm sorry. I miss I missed what you said there. I'm sorry, I could like barely hear you. I didn't hear what you. We didn't hear what you said. Oh, so how are the laws kind of strict there for importing? Um, I think they're, they're I don't know because I, I don't. I'm, well, we know there there's a guy local that imports them. There's a guy local that does some importing, um, but the few guys that I know that have like the R32s have all been from down towards the city, towards Long Island and Jersey more. Okay. So I. That's interesting. Yeah, I haven't really had much personal experience with any importing stuff. That's another reason I was I was pumped that you'd call in because it's a complete. You know, mystery to me. I I'd love to do it one day, especially like I, we were talking about like an old Celica because that's that's one of my cars. That's just I've been obsessed with, but uh, I've never. I have a, a couple of local customers with Delicas, and I love those. Yeah, they're 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 unique, man. 
Oh yeah, totally. And the the cool thing about them, so like you can get you know like the diesel version that's turbo, the forty fifty five, and there's really not like a lot you can get for it. like everything you need engine wise. You have to order it. But if you get a gas, my friend has a gas one. Pretty much everything changes over drivetrain wise to a Mighty Max. On the Delica, you on, I okay. I thought you were talking about a Celica at first. I was like, wait, they uh, made a diesel one. <laughs> Mitsubishi, the 4055T is kind of what everybody wants. Yeah. But there's very few people that'll service it, and very few people that have the patience for that because there's really not a lot of like repair and fill out there. Yeah, I, I get they that. Kind of have to figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, I have a hard enough time just finding stuff for my Alltrack. Yeah. <laughs> so much of it's discontinued. Like if you go to Toyota themselves and try and get the parts, so much of it's discontinued. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The problem that I have with a lot of these cars is, you know, like specific things like rubber seals and just stuff like that we have to order from Japan, but I've actually uh, started kind of like a cross-reference matrix, I guess, between like Australian, European, like other Nissan cars, like vans, mm-hmm. and just dumb stuff, even like seals, like sometimes you have to measure, you know, inner outer diameter of seals, thicknesses like direction of rotation and stuff like that. And it'll actually cross with things that you wouldn't even think of that you can actually use. That's crazy. I've, I've never so considered having to look up parts like that. that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's like a completely different way of looking at parts. But you guys save everything, right, at the shop so you, in case you ever need a part or something like that because it's so hard to find? Oh, yeah, totally. And, like, you know, a lot of stuff that we use or save that we wouldn't want to use in, like, a restored car we can use for reference or a, <clears throat> kind of like a template, I guess. Right. Like we offer vinyl kits, carpet kits. Like I have to make the little kick sail panels for the feet just because, you know, a lot of those are destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Or just cut up or tons of holes in it, just stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, definitely the fun of that. And that's definitely a lot of stuff on the show that you don't see. Yeah. Because we just don't have time for it, unfortunately. So what we're trying to do... <clears throat> Just kind of make like a, a mini like YouTube series, I guess. Yeah. Where we could kind of fill in some of the blanks and also just do like our own segments, just like on history and things that we weren't able to like really cover in some of the shows that other people may be interested in. I think that's a good just idea. Just to kind of help, you know, fill in those pieces. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's kind of like a behind the scenes and, hey, this is how this happened. You know, I didn't, you didn't see it on the show, but this is kind of what we did to add up to that and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, and then kind of the frustrating thing about that is just because, you know, when they walked into it, we were already done with a couple of builds or mostly done to, like, where we would have wanted to start, kind of like the white Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we got that car, in the beginning of the episode, you know, there's tons of those, like, Polaroid pictures of it being taken apart and things like that that he showed kind of in, like, a slideshow. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I already had, like, the brake lines, like, most of the suspension done and the engine in at that point but wow. nothing wow. was done see so I thought like, you guys stuff, I thought you guys got it with the yeah. engine in just by the show but you you had done mm-hmm. all that huh? it, it's kind of sleight of hand photo like if you see uh, when we got it it was sitting on all the stock suspension and they actually took all of the rusty brake lines and booster and everything out of the engine bay and it was just kind of like wadded into a ball <laughs> and just sitting in the middle wrapped in paper so they could paint it Wow. <laughs> Which was kind of interesting. So yeah. I had to cut all of that stuff out, and then we had to do, you know, make new insulators for the brake lines. And we actually have, you know, all new stainless lines in the car. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we did braided. We did, you know, all the T3 suspension, all the stuff that he wanted to use that he had. 
just even dumb stuff like all the you know bearing seals just everything like all the little tedious things that were already done at that point yeah that's... and then the rest of it was just kind of you know like the whole top end assembly like the harness and just all the detail aspects of it but you know you still can't build a car in 44 minutes no definitely not no did uh did you guys ever have any idea it would it would become a tv show no actually uh, so we were approached by a talent company that i guess was referred to by a couple of the guys at speed hunters speed hunters yeah we've heard of them and it came down and uh did kind of like a sizzle reel interview just of the shop and us and like why we're doing it and like what you know kind of what we do and then that got pitched to discovery and then they confirmed the show and then you know there was a lot of back and forth on that yeah just because we didn't want to you know we wanted to do it our way right mm-hmm. and we didn't really want to kind of misrepresent ourselves and misrepresent the community because we knew that it would be the first show like it yeah and we didn't want to disappoint anyone you know <laughs> it's definitely yeah. different it's cool because you know there's so many car shows out there and everything but i've never seen one that does old japanese cars which makes it pretty interesting yeah even oh, yeah, no, as far as i know that's never been done even the trailer do, was so uh, you know original <laughs> yeah the trailer was cool it was like an old school commercial like you thought you were watching uh, a commercial for the Datsun. yeah i felt like i could go buy a Datsun for two thousand dollars out of the showroom right then <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the bluesy part of it so that whole part of that was a different company that was all done by velocity yeah oh, okay. so we had to go down actually to moab we trailered some cars down and they, it was like a movie set. Like, I'd never seen anything like that. Like, the equipment yeah. and everything they had, like, the whole crew. Like, it was nuts. Like, I, I've never experienced anything like that, even in our whole, like, <laughs> season process. It was really nice. That's awesome. So, man. like, what they did is they found, you know, a bunch of old ads and stuff from the day. And we kind of wanted to do, like, our own version of it. Like, the, the RX-7 was, like, the, the black gold commercial for the 280ZX. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't. And I don't the think. The guy with the mustache and the fro and <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. or whatever. That's hilarious. So we kind of wanted to do that, and then same with like the you know like the bluesy, kind of similar to like the spirited Dotson commercials of the time. Mm-hmm. Just because the uh, you know, the median audience of Velocity are usually older. Yep. And they'll remember that because they used to have those. And the other point with the show is we're just trying to bring kind of younger people back into that kind of world is because everyone's so used to you know like the muscle car builds and it just has to be this way and it has to be mm-hmm. that and it's just it's right. not really exciting for people like us even though it's cool you know yeah. like i appreciate it and respect it but it's not entirely what we're into yeah it's uh and, and they didn't realize i don't think how big the community would be until the show came out like you know it's they've never seen as much positivity across like all platforms and media since the show has launched like with just one show which i think is awesome and that kind of shows you know leaps and bounds about the kind of people in our world yeah and just you know what, what they're into what they like you know it's just a totally different mindset i think it, it's great to see i know i mean locally i know of a few guys that got a few you know 280z's 260 240z's um old dotsons we got our one buddy it's got the four-door 510 that i was telling you about that That's actually wasn't cool. able to make it um, Jacob, but uh yeah it's i hope to see more of it you know it's it's some of the Thank coolest you. stuff out there and i'm glad that you guys oh, are yeah, being able like, to promote it oh yeah man and you know the other thing which we we did an interview with jnc and they kind of asked us you know like what what are you going to expect what are you going to expect you know, like with the cars and stuff like we try to incorporate as much variety as we can 
um, <clears throat> the problem being is just that most of our, you know, clientele and people that are willing to to go through with that are usually Nissan guys. That and seems to be the to, huge market. You know, <laughs> a little bit more, you know, other marks like we do, like classic Isuzu. I've worked on, you know, two of the only three uh, Isuzu Bella GTRs that have been here. Wow. Uh, just kind of cars like that that are really neat that nobody really knows about. So we're trying to, to bring that more into later. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, you know, help everybody out and just kind of have a little bit more variety. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like, whoever comes through the door basically is what, you know, we, we put on the show. That's great. Like I, like I was telling you, I, I really hope to see a nice TA-22 on there one day. <laughs> Celica. Oh, yeah, yeah. Celica. But um, we've had we've had a few of those, and I really like those cars. We've had you know a couple of T, uh, TTG cars. We mm-hmm. usually try and only buy those if we're going to import one, just because you know it really doesn't make sense to do that. You might as well just do a US one if you have like a single cam. Yeah, like a twenty R, eighteen R, whatever. Mm-hmm. I um, actually, <clears throat> but those cars are awesome. You know, we've had you know customers come by. They've had like eighteen R G swaps, and you know where they do like the beams or stuff like that. Yep. There's a guy locally that's got a um, TA-29, the hatch, and they're doing the Beams 3SGE motor swap into it. The car's on the the rotisserie still doing all the Willwood brake lines and everything else. It's going to be beautiful by the time it's done. Oh, down 1945 speeding cost. Yeah, yep. We have an RA-29 as well in the corner that has a Beams, and it's a bare shell right now, but it has, like, gritty coilovers and, like, a bunch of other cool stuff. But that one's kind of like a shop project that we're hoping to maybe uh we could either sell to someone who wanted us to finish it or they could finish it themselves just because we don't have the time yeah so that would be a hell of a car that's awesome yeah, i wish i was closer <laughs> <laughs> is, is it weird being on tv yeah honestly um my biggest struggle with the show is that before all of this you know i'd never been interviewed mm-hmm. ever or been on camera you know, I just, I've always worked in shops. I've always been a technician. So you know how, you know, grumpy we <laughs> yeah. get. I actually work and, in a know. Toyota dealership, so I yeah. know how they are. So, <laughs> you know, about that. yeah, a little background. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're both, you know, shop rats. Ken, Ken is uh, in the parts end. I was a body tech for a little bit. I work in, in the office now, but it's like just, okay. just two, you know, grease monkeys over here that, <laughs> that decided to start making recordings. And, uh, it's it's just cool to be able to talk to somebody like yourself that's obviously into everything we're into much deeper than we are obviously but it's just cool to see Thank how you. how it's blowing up for you and and how much more of a scene is going to surround us now with those type of cars. Thank you man. So yeah, I mean you know all about it then. Um <clears throat> pretty much like most of my professional career I've just been working, you know, in different shops, different dealerships. I've always been a line tech. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not the most social people, I guess. <laughs> so it was really hard to get to, you know, be able to work and be filmed, you know, by, you know, one or two different cameras. You're mic'd up. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pretty much explain everything you're doing in a way that can make sense to who's watching, yeah. who knows, and can make sense to, yeah, sorry, make sense to someone who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, not sound too boring or pretentious and then also you know it's always up to editing like what gets used yeah yeah so i'm I'm still kind of learning about that but it's it's been really hard and like it's been hard for me to watch myself on tv just because i take (laughs) myself apart too much yeah i get that it gives me a lot a lot of anxiety 
<laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> but I'm starting to get better about it. it it's funny you say that because uh, I definitely don't want to be, you know, like the walking around with studded jeans that seem a type. You know, definitely like, not. Like, yelling woo at everyone. <laughs> it's funny the way you're saying that because that's how we felt. Like, you know, we have a, a, a tight little community locally for a car scene and knowing that that's most of the guys that have been listening to us even – it's just weird knowing people are hearing my voice. Like I hate hearing my voice on when I listen back to these things. Oh, dude, I hate hearing my voice too. And like the problem is, you know, like just being me and like I am a hundred percent the same like on camera as I am like now or at home. You know, yeah, I don't really have like a persona, so it's interesting to hear you know people's reactions to that. Like people can either understand me. Or they're like, you know, get the marble out of your mouth, you asshole. Like, stop mumbling, <laughs> like, all this shit. Like, I, I get a lot of that. Wow. And, you know, I understand that <clears throat> to a point, you know. And I, I understand, you know, like, if you're if you're on TV, like, you have to be somewhat entertaining. Like, that's the whole point of it. <clears throat> but the, the benefit of the network is, is that, you know, allows us to do more of a process-based show and kind of keep, you know, the BS out of it, which we don't really want to change who we are and we don't really want to be you know, like a TV face, and then as soon as the camera shuts off, then we just, you know, flip of the switch, change, and yeah. be someone else. I, li- I appreciate... It ends I, up kind of, you know, ruining your life later, I think. I like <laughs> the fact that it's not like, oh, we got, you know, this. we got two weeks, we got a deadline, this car's going to this certain show, you know. It's just like you guys are doing what you need to do to make these cars awesome for the customers that are going to appreciate it, not just some, like, fan that walks by with their iPhone out to take a picture of it. Oh, yeah, you know, and and we do have deadlines, you know, being a shop, like, we are a business, but, you know, we don't want to emphasize that, and, you know, the bottom line, pricing, and all that stuff, like, there are people that want to know prices, we just don't want to talk about that stuff, because it's not about that to us, you know, like, our our customers are car nerds, you know, you have these guys that are, you know, <clears throat> they've been collecting for a long time, or they're just starting to get into it, you know, and they could have probably anything they want, but they want these cars, and this is what they like. Mm-hmm. So we don't really want to, you know, kind of be like that, I guess. Do you have a favorite car that you've built for a customer or just do you have a favorite, you know, specific JDM version of a car that, that you would love to have your, for yourself? Yeah, my dream car actually would be a 1970 or I guess it would be, uh, do you know much about like Japan years? Uh, it kind of so depends. Like when they register a car or anything you do, they go off of the year of rule of the emperor. Okay. So, like, if you if you were buying, like, say, a 69 GTR, like, the first year, mm-hmm. you're not going to find one if you search it just by 1969. You have to search uh, the emperor at the time was Shawa. So you would search Shawa 44 no Skyline, shit. and then that would come up. So, wow. so, so is that to them as like an S44, S45, S46, which I don't explain in the TV show because it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it would be a like a 1970, uh, like PGC10 GTR because those the 69 and 70 were sedans only, mm-hmm. and they did not have the two door until 71 and two. And the mm-hmm. cool thing about the 70 and the 69 is that the dash is completely different. It looks like an old British car. It's all wood. No has like classic style gauges the center console is completely different and they also have a grill that looks like a giant bow tie it looks like a dog bow <laughs> <laughs> and that's only specific to that year and i love that so is that something that is a possibility for you or are they like ultra ultra rare you know once in a lifetime opportunity type deal oh yeah <clears throat> and the, the thing was you know is is we we turned down the show at first a couple of times 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we thought about it a lot. Like, do we really want to do this? And then we thought about, you know, it's such a great opportunity. And also, you know, if we don't do it, they're looking for the show like us and they want to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Who is it going to be? Who's going to represent us, you know? Yep. And, and, and that, that's what kind of like stirred our direction towards, all right, maybe we'll give it a try and just see how we like it. If we don't like it, cool. If we like it, great. And we just kind of kept rolling with it. So how and, do you how do you guys feel about it now that it's on the air? Positive or think we'll yeah, have a season I mean, two? <laughs> you're, always, you're always really terrified because it's new territory, and the people in the you know, especially the nostalgic car community, are really really picky and precise. Like I don't know if you've ever been in like a Z group, for example. Like there's you can't ever peg a Z owner. Like you can have you know anybody in the world, any type of person can have a Z car. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how can you do something? that's appealing to everyone and you won't just watch it and be like, you know, if you like Yanko Camaros, mm-hmm. then you'll see like a Yanko clone being built on a show or like something that just makes it not what you like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How do you appeal to everybody, but also do you, and, <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it's been really hard. Like just, there's so many different angles and aspects to look at it from, but at the end of the day, you know, you just kind of have to stop and just think, all right, you know, like, what do we do? What do we like to do? Like, what are we known for? You know, let's just do that and not spend so much time worrying about all the other things, you know, because we, we do like to make people happy and like, we do care a lot about what people think about, you know, like what we do. Yeah. Just because it's a passion based business. Well, it's fair. I mean, (laughs) you guys want to make sure you're representing it right. Exactly. Yeah. We want to fly the flag properly. You know, we don't want, anybody to feel you know like we're just a couple of white guys in utah just trying to be weeaboo you know what i mean yeah right (laughs) (laughs) so so you're like you were just saying the different eras is that where you got your instagram name it's shokunin underscore era yeah so shokunin means uh basically like technician craftsman or artisan okay and then basically means like the era of the craftsman that's cool. Nice. That's interesting. Like, that's like the, the, the time period where everything was built by hand. That's awesome. So everybody, you know, like all, all the skylines and stuff, these cars, so they're basically just all a bunch of random panels that were put together. You know, they've got crude MIG welds from factories, just mm-hmm. like these brackets that whoever was there that day just welded in however they wanted to weld in. <laughs> yeah, just, just stuff like that. Like, no two are the same. Like a GTR, for example, <clears throat> the fuel tank is 100 liters. It's pretty big. Your standard GT GTX is about you know, like a 14 gallon tank. Mm-hmm. They use the same floor pan, but you can see the indentations where the brackets are that like you would bolt your tank straps to mm-hmm. are not in the part of the panel. So they just move it out like where they feel it is, and then just kind of run like a gob of weld around. It. <laughs> that's really how they work. Wow, that's and, like crazy. some of the cars had paint runs and like you know some stuff like that. But like that was so cool because you know you had just a random guy out there with a jumpsuit and a mallet, like putting these cars together. It wasn't all robots. Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy, like when you think of it that way, you think of like the backstory, how this thing's traveled around the world to get to you. It's, it's so much cooler when you look at it from that point of view. Oh yeah. And you know, we have a couple of cars that have actually been, you know, they're built there. They come here and they've gone back and they've actually come back again. Really? <laughs> Which is interesting. I was going to ask, where's the furthest yeah, you guys have shipped to? Yeah. All the way back. <laughs> Where's the furthest you guys shipped to? I'm sorry, what? 
Where's the furthest that you guys have shipped to? Um, so we that blue car actually, um, we built for a guy who lives in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Wow. And we were actually in the process of sending it to him when it was done. And we hadn't heard from him for a while. And then he came out actually and saw the car, drove the car, loved it. And he'd only seen it once halfway done before. We had pretty much done the whole build through email. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And just kind of communicating that way. And then it turns out that he actually wasn't able to import it. <clears throat> oh, man. Which was sad. So we're actually selling the car right now. So how does um, that, that go? Been the furthest. Is that the blue car in the correct front of the commer or the yeah. the beginning of the show? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice Dotson. So how does that go? Okay. Do you guys require like a deposit yeah, or money up front? Huh? Do you guys require like a po- deposit or money up front or how does that work now? Is he out of it completely or did he have to pay for some of that? Oh no, he no he. Uh, so we'll do it in process. Like you know, he'll he'll buy it. We'll find the car for him. You know, we'll send it over. Whatever, we'll get it. Then we'll basically quote out everything we need to do, and then just like in different processes is pretty much what that is. Because hmm. you you can't ever guess like a one lump sum in a restoration, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Because you never know what you'll run into. You could run into a huge problem. It could cost a lot of extra money, extra time, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You, know, you can get a car that, you know, looks perfect. And that car wasn't really perfect, but it was a really clean chassis. Because yeah. it was an Arizona car. And we actually found it, you know, like out here and just chilling in a shed. And we've got Polaroids of it just with no engine. Wow. It was white with red interior. Um, it had been sitting probably for 20 or so years just apart. Jeez. Like in boxes and stuff. That's so crazy. Which is kind of a weird story. Wow. <laughs> it looks nothing like that now. Yeah, slightly but different have, for sure. <laughs> keep that photo in the car of what it looked like before. That's Just cool. Kind of like a reminder, I guess. Have you ever found anything crazy on one of these imports? Like any, you know, maybe original owner from Japan pictures or any kind of unique personal items left over in the cars? Yeah, so actually, here's a funny story. So we had a car come in uh, from Japan, and actually inside the seat, we found this envelope. And in the envelope were a bunch of photos and love letters between a soldier what? who was over in Japan from the U.S., actually, who was having an affair. Wow. With, uh, <laughs> a Japanese lady. Yeah, it was weird. Like, this was back probably in the 80s. Yeah. We, you know, we weren't able to find any of these people, but yeah, it was like this whole long thing with like photos and all this stuff. Like nothing inappropriate because it was the eighties, but yeah. like that's yeah, pretty cool. Really though. Interesting, like you know the, the types of owners you'll find old receipts and lighters and just things like shoved under, you know, like from different time periods that people you know, <laughs> have probably been in there for fifteen years. It's kind of like a little time <laughs> capsule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. You know, there's cool labels and decals and just stuff that you'll find that you know from racetracks that no longer exist no shit that's awesome lots of cool stuff like that um you know we definitely have a, a knickknack hoard i guess yeah and just kind of things that you you know pull out of cars that you don't really want to put in your car when it's done but it's just cool to, to have <laughs> yeah did he save that steering wheel from the um gtr the blue one that he didn't like <laughs> the advanced auto special yeah, actually, he uh he wanted to take it home and put it on his wall wow <laughs> that's too funny which is funny yeah, <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe that um you know we, we've had we've had worse that's i mean but what's the... funny too is you know you'll get these cars that you'll find 
like an auction car is different from a private sale car. Yeah. Usually if you buy a car from an auction, it's there for a reason. Right. Yeah. You know, there, there are problems that they couldn't figure out or, you know, stuff that they didn't want to really invest in. <clears throat> so you'll see, you know, people will just throw like a shitty paint job and like whatever wheels they find on it and just try and push it through auction for as much as they can get. Yeah. Now those kinds of cars are great because, uh, <clears throat> you'll pretty much pull everything apart and you'll find, probably 14 15 feet of wire in the car that just has no purpose you know there's vampire taps everywhere like <laughs> everything is just hacked so you pretty much have to start from literal square zero on these cars which kind of sucks yeah it's got to be <laughs> such a headache sometimes like i saw the one episode where you were in the wiring of the Datsun, and it's just like so oh, yeah. much wire it's got to be just like after a while it gets so tedious oh yeah you know and the other thing too is you know you want to use the original switches Right. And a lot of the stuff you can't buy, so you have to know how they work, how to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. Uh, parts that are close, so you have to cut down, like contacts, like brass contacts, springs, you know, things like that. And then if you're doing a custom harness in a car, you have to know exactly how everything works, like resistances, you know, stuff through the harness, like shunts, things like that, also right. that come into account when you want to use all that stuff. So that's also fun. Yeah, it that's, sounds that's like That's my it. thing. <laughs> I like wiring. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be the worst <laughs> this is weird I have like dreams about diagrams oh my god <laughs> I have to like wake up and just draw it and then I go back to bed <laughs> I guess you're lucky in that sense cause that's that's like everyone else's least favorite thing to do <laughs> oh I know and, that's, and we never cover that on the show really but like we'll have to do a part on that that's funny just because I'll you know have it all around my neck I'll have everything laid out in order and like zip tied and like Jesus. I don't know that's crazy. <laughs> Must feel really the, good though once you're done doing all that work and then uh, everything actually works properly and everything. Oh yeah, like the first the first few like standalone harnesses I did, you know, even just for like engine swaps, not even chassis harnesses, were kind of intimidating just because you know how you want it to look. Like everyone wants to achieve that that rye wire presentation, mm-hmm. right? I guess. Um, you know, but also making everything functional and, you know, rooted the right way. And, like, you have to think about, like, all right, if I run the wire through all of these, you know, pieces of the body, like, is that final? Does it work? Like, you test in the end. But, like, after you do a few of them, you know, you can make kind of good assumptions as to how it's going to be, I guess. And it just kind of helps it get easier. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, in the, in the blue car, I did a, a universal harness for like a watercraft kind of or like a jeep i guess like it's all waterproof and sealed like it uses uh like the little mini atc fuses and it has the gasket all the way around the cover it just kind of keeps everything out of it right that was that was fun because that uses all you know factory switches knobs everything that's pretty cool make it look super legit that way though yeah (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) I was actually trying to do a business before the show. Um, I was going to start building chassis harnesses to sell for Skylines, 510s, 620s, all that stuff you can just buy basically in like plug and play. I still want to do that. It just got pushed back a little bit because nobody really offers that. <clears throat> Same with like the L28, like fuel injection stuff. You know, people run mega squared and standalones, but you know, they always have to make their own harnesses, and a lot of it's just like whatever they had in another harness and just kind of like clipped together and you've still got you know inside of a wire after that long people don't realize if you strip it it's all corroded yeah you have you know large amounts of resistance from end to end so it's never really going to work right 
Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, even if the outside of the wire looks good, you can strip it and you can see, you know, like the copper is brown, black, you know, or it has like the green, like kind of corrosion in it. And that's really common, especially a car from Japan, just because of the humidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, now, how long does the process take? Like, say someone calls you up, they want to find a, a Skyline, for example, for, for you guys to find it import it you know do your once over whatever and then into the owner's hands about how long is that whole process for just for just finding it and importing it yeah like getting getting the car into the country tight so, it up and into well, the owner's hands yeah so like what we'll do you know is they'll, they'll email us like all right this is you know my car this is my budget this is what i want to do like you know he'll me find it i'm like all right cool so then we'll go through you know probably 10 or so whatever is available and we'll just send you know car after car and like this is what we think is good like what do you like like colors mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> that kind of stuff once we decide on that you know our guy goes does the deal does the shipping you know sends it to us and then really it's just a b or c from that point so sometimes it's a month month and a half depending on the boat you know you, you can miss it and you have to wait another two weeks to ship the mm-hmm. car that's but not that's not you know, terrible we, though. We've got cars had in there probably in a couple months, I guess, sort of throughout the process before we see it. That's not too and then, bad. I guess from that point, no, no, and then yeah. it, it just depends uh, what they want to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. And how long does it usually take for you guys to like completely go over the car and make sure everything's on the up and up? Um, I can do, you know, my previous my, I guess, preliminary inspection when we get the car. You know, we'll have to most likely sort all the brake system. Like, the fuel system's crap. Like, most of all the wiring usually is terrible or stuff just doesn't work right. Um, a lot of the cars don't really run that well because of the altitude change, so you have to figure out, you know, are these the proper size carbs? Like, what timing are they running? What compression is this engine? What kind of fuel is it supposed to run? You don't get any of this information with the car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it could probably be, you know, another month, two months on that, just waiting for parts. Like, actual work time is not that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but I saw in one one episode, you guys are doing a leak down test, checking for the compression uh, loss of it, mm-hmm. which wasn't bad at all for a cold engine. I mean, what was it three four percent? Yeah, across all six, which I you know you never see that. Yeah, that's um, impressive. Usually with an L series is about ten to fifteen is normal on a cold. Yeah, uh, a lot of the S twenties like earlier like K two K three K four head engines usually about I don't know twenty to twenty five cold. Yeah, wow. that's quite a bit. Yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. That's all rings. Yeah. So you know that when engine. You have the valve cover off. You can just hear it blowing out of the like the front of the timing chain. It's just, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. like, okay. Wow. But yeah, we've had you know a lot of engines like that. That car, the the Red Hood one is nuts. That's like a Japanese built three one liter. And uh, I've actually done quite a bit of work to that after the episode. Um, <clears throat> we ran into some problems down in Moab with the carburetors. They're the Makuni 50 PHH, which are extremely rare. Mm-hmm. And we had problems with a couple of the accelerator pumps that would just stop randomly working and it would like cut out a little bit. Yeah. So I actually pulled all those carbs off completely, you know, stripped them, everything down, like let them soak, you know, got all the shit out. <clears throat> and it actually runs way, way better even now. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And we had a, a clutch failure as well in that car. On the uh, <clears throat> the reveal drive, it had a, an OS Skycan uh, triple plate, like the center mass one. 
and I didn't realize it was a triple. It was just always really hard to drive. And then finally it just gave. And so we ended up going with a, like an ORC super single. And the entire unit weighs like 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's dumb. It, it revs like a light switch. It's insane. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That car is brutal. <laughs> yeah, right? It's very brutal. Have you guys... When you drive, you know, another one is definitely more refined. Yeah. Mm. Have you guys ever done any... um? Um, like more of a resto type mod where you put like updated technology engines in, like with fuel injection. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, sir. Episode five. Oh. Uh, oh. I'm Look not forward. Get too much away on that. But <laughs> Fair that's, enough. That's our first modern. Can you talk much about it? Are you allowed? No. Yeah, it's it's out there actually. Um, so we built a car for a guy. I don't know if you're familiar with JDM Chicago. No, I don't think. I so. I don't believe so. No. His name is Janosh. He's really cool. Um, we built a, a GTX for him a few years ago, and we had it out at SEMA, uh, what, a couple of years ago, I guess? Mm-hmm. It was in the Ineos booth, and it still had the L28 in it. The whole car is really nice. It's, like, probably one of the nicest GTXs I've ever seen. That's correct. It has all the right, like, everything in that car, like the original uh, Option 8-track player, has the original Hitachi speakers in the shelf. It has original carpet. Yeah. It's actually really nice, uh, the AC, everything like that. So he had the car for about three, four years. They were just getting tired of the L20. You know, it maybe made about 80 horsepower to the wheels. Wow. It's <laughs> not very much. So, very low. Yeah. We brought it out here, and uh, we were doing a magazine kind of shoot for Super Street. So we're up in the canyon with it, and dude, it is a dog. Yeah. So slow. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to go and. It, it, it just you have to kind of you know hit it pretty hard on a hill right and you know and we just decided you know whatever it's time and so he wanted to do kind of something in the nissan family so we actually found uh it's an rv25 de neo oh mm. and that's and those all come uh all-wheel drive in the de and most of them are auto so the funny part about that, you know, is you think, you know, the Skyline, you know, the R34, wow. Right, yeah. But most of those cars are actually really boring. You have, a, like, a 2.5 GT is basically like what your grandma would drive. It would have, like, lace on the seat. <laughs> yeah, it's like an automatic Maxima. Like, there's nothing really too special about it. So it's just funny to think, you know, like, you have a car like that, and then you put that engine in something like that. But... Yeah, there's there's a lot we did do it to make it look nice, but that's kind of like the basis of that. Um, he just wanted to keep it like a nice NA style, looks very similar, great sound, great power, reliability, nice standalone, uh, you know, r- really really quality build. I'm stoked on that car. That's it's it's night and day. <laughs> yeah, I that's can't cool. I can't wait. <laughs> we'll have to keep up watching the episodes and watch for that one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, there's uh, there's a bit out there like in the in the C10 platform uh, RB25s have been done they've done turbos and they did a, a DE with carbs but to my knowledge a Neo has never been done that's the first one that I'm aware of there you go yeah. which is cool but you have the intake only VVT kind of like the S2 had mm-hmm. uh, they have really kind of nice high compression pistons from factory the head flow is really good even though the intake ports on the DE are actually a lot smaller than the DET. So if you use a, a DET to a 26 ITV like adapter, mm-hmm. it just runs into a wall essentially because of the port size is so small. So you have to port the head and you know a lot of stuff like that. But right. 
There's so many there, intricate parts. Australia, <laughs> you know, you can do harnesses from other RBs that are close enough if you're using other parts. And it's just kind of like what I was saying earlier about just knowing like your cross-reference. Yeah. Yeah. And then the problem too being here is that, you know, if you go to Nissan with a Japanese part number, they basically tell you to, you know, to fuck off because <laughs> it doesn't read in their systems. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good luck getting any help there. <laughs> Well, I I really yeah, want to just say I uh, appreciate you calling in today. I think we're going to wrap up here. Um, just wanted to give you another shout-out for the TV show, JDM Legends. What day does that come out on Velocities Network? Uh, it's usually, to my knowledge, every Tuesday. Every um, Tuesday? you guys, I think it's 9. Tuesday at 9. Tuesday at 9, California yeah. 6, we're 7, Midwest is 8, and then... Well, we usually... We usually put our podcasts out Good Tuesday morning, so we'll try yeah. to overlap those and make them line up together for you. <laughs> yeah, the po- awesome, podcast you. should be out probably Tuesday morning, Tuesday during the day. It depends on the time and stuff, getting it together, but yeah. Okay. And uh, what's your personal page? Should everyone give you a follow? Yeah, man, I enjoy like, getting to talk to the enthusiasts because most of the time you know, I have to explain kind of to people who want to learn but aren't. Yeah. So it's nice to get technical. Yeah, <laughs> for me it was for me it was pretty cool too because I'm not like I'm still kind of new to the classic JDMs and some of the JDMs like I like them they're really cool but I've growing up as a kid I was always into muscle cars that's what my dad liked and that we went to the car shows to see muscle cars so lately oh, yeah, I've same. been getting into the classic JDMs a lot too so it's cool to learn a lot more about it from somebody who really knows about them and has a lot of knowledge about them like you. L- little known, thank you, man. Little known fact. Uh, my first car is a 63 Galaxy. Oh, really? Hey. With a 500 XL with a 390 FE. It was white on white. I loved that thing. There we go. That's cool. Have you guys... Yeah, that's what got me into it. That's great. You guys ever plan on doing a um, V8 swap in any of those Nissans or Datsuns or any of them? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not in that shop. Do that, it would be cool to do uh, something like a President or a Crown. Yeah. And then you could do like, you know, a VH, VK... Uh, a lot of the presidents, actually, believe it or not, came with early V8s in you know the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, the first Toyota Century, actually in 67, was a three-liter uh, Hemi V8, which is interesting. That's cool. Shit. It's but cre- we like to keep it in the family. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a shop around here that took a 79 Camaro and put a 1JZ turbo um, old Superman engine in it. They got. They have good taste. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It yeah. came out really nice. It sounds good. It's got some uh, some power to it. Yeah, man. Well, the, the thing about Camaros and Mustangs that I think is interesting that a lot of people don't get is that when they were new, you know, they weren't called muscle cars. They were called the pony car because they were smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why they had smaller V8s and stuff in it. So those are actually really good chassis to build that way. Yeah. And that, Luckily, those. Like, even in, like, Tokyo Drift, LOL, because it wasn't filmed there. <laughs> like, the whole idea of the of the RV and the Mustang was actually a really good idea. Like, that car would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It was, it was, like, an actual real, like, driving car. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because in those Camaros, too, in those special, those years, they were cranking down on the emissions, and they were, their engines were dogs anyway. So it's definitely oh, yeah. definitely cool to see something different, and I really like it. I We do uh, photography for the local car show, and I got a bunch of pictures of it. It's a pretty neat car. That's awesome, man. That's really cool, especially, you know, uh, I like hearing about people's builds, like, all over the world. Like, there's people in other countries you would never know that are into the same thing as you and that's the cool thing about this community that i like is everybody's a little bit more about the unity yeah 
not worry about like brand loyalty. So that's really nice. Like you can talk to a Twitter guy, you can talk to a monster exactly. guy. You know, it's like they're mm-hmm. they're homies. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's all about the brotherhood in this world. And that's yeah, we all like yeah. the same thing. We all like cars, so let's just exactly. all hang out. Definitely. Yeah. But I just want to say exactly. thank you. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, and, thanks uh, again, man. Putting some time aside for us, and like I said, it'll be out probably. Yeah, thank you. Um, what's your Instagram again for everybody so they can follow you? Uh, I think it's nine Eastern time. No, no. What's your Instagram? <laughs> sorry. What's your Instagram? Oh, sorry. Oh, my Instagram. Sorry, it's a uh, choking in here. So it's H S H O K U N I N underscore E R A. Okay, everybody, make sure you give him a follow. And thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Have a good one. So that was Josh Martin from JDM Legends, and thank you again, Josh. We really appreciate you coming on and taking a little time out of your day. That, to, was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, hang out with us and yeah. talk with us about cars. JDM Legends uh, on Velocity every Tuesday at 9. Yes. Give it a, watch give it. Give it a watch. <laughs> give him a follow on yeah. his Instagram. Uh, Shokunin underscore era. era. So check him out. The dude knows everything you could ever need to know about JDM cars. I know, it's crazy. I felt like... <laughs> I thought I knew a lot. I felt like I was just staring off because I was like, oh my God, he's just rambling some numbers and letters that I barely recognize <laughs> because it's so so unique to what he does. Like right. all those JDM specific things, it's it's such a world that I want to know more. Yeah, uh, it was definitely so cool talking. I got to learn a lot of stuff. Because yeah. like I was telling him, you know, I'm usually, I've always been into muscle cars until recently. I've gotten into the JDMs and the imports a little more yeah. within the past few years, you know, from cars and caffeine and from taking pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can appreciate everything, but it's just cool to learn about all this stuff that you don't normally learn about because yeah. it's, he's on such another level with his oh, stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like I'm so happy he was willing to call. Hell yeah, too. it was really cool. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Just like, like we're just two guys in, yeah. in the basement. We don't know any, but we're not anybody. But it's it's so awesome knowing how willing people are to just like call in and like bullshit. And it's like if you're passionate about stuff, people just relate and it makes it easy. Like yeah. that dude seemed cool as hell. Like I could probably go out to Salt Lake, hang, hang out, out for the day, yeah. Yeah, like nothing. Seems yep, like I know like him forever. Guy. Yeah, it's awesome. But. uh yeah, I guess we'll just keep you know keep this one a short one. And uh, you want to do your shout outs? Yeah, we um, got Insta Streamline underscore photography at Streamline underscore photography on my Instagram, and our Instagram for the podcast at Cars and Caffeine Podcast. My personals is at B Potsy. Um, give us a follow, rate us, review us on iTunes. Check us out wherever you can. Download us Google Play, anything. Yes. Listen, let us know how you like it. Please give us uh, reviews. We really enjoy it. It yeah. uh, helps us out a lot. <laughs> Some of them are funny. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, it's great. Okay. All right, till next time. Later.